All right, friends, I'm going to start with um, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm calling this God's success plan. God's success plan. Did you know that God wants you to be successful? Did you know that God wants everything you touch to turn out right? Did you know that God does not want you to get beat up at the game of life? Have you ever uh, been to your kid's ball game? No. Have you ever been to somebody else's kid's ball game? Have you ever been to your cat's ball game? Right? You ever been to a ball game? You ever heard of a ball? <laughs> okay. There's a hoop. Give me a ball. I'll take a couple shots here. We'll see what happens. You know you don't want your kids to get beat up at the ball game of life, right? Right? I mean, if your cat was out there in the yard and some other cat came and just body slammed him, you would go do something about it now, wouldn't you? Uh, you need a pen? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God speaking to Joshua at the crossroads of life. And I have discovered, friends, that the guidance that God provides us at the crossroads of life will be absolutely unmistakable. If the guidance that you're seeking is not clear, it's quite possible that you are not at a crossroads. <laughs> a lot of times we try to force a turn where a turn does not belong. We're saying, God, how come I can't you keep hitting the curb? And you hit the curb on this side, and you hit the curb on that side. You gotta wait till you get to the intersection, friend. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody. God's guidance at the crossroads of life has, in my life has been absolutely unmistakable. I have tried to force God to guide me. <laughs> I don't smell nothing. I just see a good looking young brother over there. That's all I see, man. You're looking good, man. You're good. Love you the way you are. Don't change for me. We, you cannot force God to guide you. Think about that. But we do try. We're like, God, you got to give me an answer. And he's like, uh, what's the question? Right? Sometimes we're asking the wrong question. And, it, and, and I, I just think, you know, the Christian life, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, I think it's 28 and 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I think you could read right into that. I am easygoing. I don't get flustered. I don't freak out over every single situation. I don't have an emotional meltdown every time something goes wrong. And all God's people said amen. Right, 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 right. Isn't that how you see Jesus? Do you see him in the storm, asleep on a pillow in the hinder part of the boat? He wasn't even in the front of the boat. He said, turn here, guys. Right? No, he's like, whatever. I don't care which way you turn. Don't care. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. That's Matthew chapter 11. I think it's verse 29, 28, 29, 30, right in there. You shall find rest unto your soul. Where is all of the angst? Where is the worry? 
Where is it that we take a problem and we turn it over and over and over and over again? Where is that? Where's that located? It's not in that Bible now, is it? No. Where is that located? Yeah, it's in our head. It's in the soul. And, and I, I'm tempted to do, to do the same thing. There's somebody that owes me some money right now. And you know, if he never did pay me, my life would go on. He's going to pay me. But, you know, sometimes you can get into this email thing back and forth, you know, where you're, where you're, where, here's my position. And they're like, well, here's my position. And you're like, well, here's my position. And they're like, yeah, but what about this? And you're like, well, yeah, but what about that? And sooner or later, we've got to recognize this is strife. This is stupid. This is not accomplishing anything. Jesus, like the, like the country western song, Jesus take the wheel. Right? It's a good song. <laughs> Come on. This, I've done all that I can do. I can't go over there and make that man write me a check. Now, my angel, that's another situation, right? My angel could go over there and get that guy, right? Right? <laughs> right? And I, you have a money angel. See, I have a money angel. Brother Hagen used to say this. Uh, he wrote a little booklet. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, what God taught me about finances, something like that. And the whole point of the whole book booklet is simply this. Satan, take your hands off my money. Satan, you take your hands off my money. Devil, you take your hands off my money in the name of Jesus. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a giver. Devil, you take your hands off my money in the name of Jesus. Now, if you had a dog in your trash cans and you chased him off, right, right, today, does that guarantee that you wouldn't have to chase him off tomorrow? You might have to chase him off a couple days in a row. You might have to chase him off three days in a row. Anybody ever have a dog knock over your trash cans every single time you put them out? It's a habit for that dog. There was one time when I was, I used to put the trash out back when I was in high school. It was my job, right? And the neighbor's dog, they had one of these mop looking dogs, right? And that smelly, I mean, he had long fur just dragging in the, in the snow. And, and that dog would come knock over my trash cans every time. And then I had to clean it all up. Well, one time I was laying for him, right? And I packed me a snowball tight. And it's that Kansas City snow. It packs good, brother. Packs good like a, like a baseball. And I came flying off that porch and I just cold cocked him right, right, right there, right? I'm, for all the animal lovers, right? Don't write me any nasty letters, right? Did that dog ever get in my trash cans again? No, he never did. So if the devil is messing with your finances, and listen, if, if, you're, if you're struggling with finances, if you're struggling with paying bills, if you're struggling with the rent or with debt, get the devil off your stuff. Tell him to take his hands off your stuff. He can't keep you from coming to church. He can't keep you from getting healed. He can't keep you from going to heaven. So he's going to try to hassle you with finances. He's going to try to hassle you with family and finances. You might say family, friends, and finances sometimes, right? So it's so simple. Say, devil, take your hands off my money. And, you know, uh, Bill Winston, he'll say, you can have as much money and prestige as you can believe God for. 
And people think, well, I've never heard that in church. Well, maybe going to the wrong church. Because there's no limit on you. We drive through these neighborhoods sometimes. We drive through these neighborhoods. And we look at these big, beautiful houses. Me and Cindy have been doing this for years. Are we the only ones? Right? And we ask, you know, we ask each other, you know, after you see these houses and they're house after house after house, street after street, neighborhood after neighborhood of big, beautiful houses, and we compare that with the house we live in, and, and Cindy sometimes will ask me, she says, what are they doing that, we, that we're not doing? What do they know that we don't know? Sometimes. Sometimes. But I think there's something else. I think there's something else. Huh? They speak it? Okay, yeah. It's real simple. They just believe they belong there. And we don't. See, 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 and, and we, we got to look, we got to get it out on the table and say, do I really believe I belong there? Okay, fine. Listen, listen, I, I was looking at a, I was looking at, sometimes I get on Zillow and I was looking at a, uh, a mining claim at 9,500 feet, seven acres with a tough shed on it. And I'm like, that's what I want. <laughs> with a big porch, right? With a hummingbird feeder, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's what I want. That's what I, and a barbecue. I just want to sit there on that porch and watch the birds come to the bird feeder and, and shoot the mammals that come by. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I want a meditation cabin. I, you know, I mean, what are the, the utilities are real cheap, right? <laughs> you don't have to, just because Brother Copeland has a jet doesn't mean you should believe God for a jet. You might believe God for a tractor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Why don't you have a little talk with the Lord? Why don't you have a long talk with the Lord? Turn off everything and say, you know what, Lord, you know, sometimes I've asked for this and I've asked for that. And we kind of drive down the street and say, I'll take one of these, I'll take one of those, I'll take one of these, I'll I'd sure like one of those. And the next thing you know, we're wishing. I wish I had one of those. Stop wishing. Wishing delays the arrival of the thing that you desire. Sure as we're sitting here. For a Christian to be wishing for things is going to delay the arrival of that thing that you desire. And I think sometimes we just have to come to, we have to come clean with ourselves and say, I do desire a home. I do desire a car. Well, what about getting saved? Most of the people in the room is already saved. Been saved for a long time and still struggling with stuff. And that's not God's will. Those people, they see themselves, whether they're saved or not. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. Who's he speaking to? Who is Jesus speaking to in Mark chapter 11? I mean, technically, really, who was he speaking to? I know you want to say he's speaking to us. Sure he is. But who is standing there looking at Jesus? Were they born again? Were they born again? Not on one of them. 
Nobody was born again until Jesus arose from the dead. They were all just sinners. There's only two families on planet Earth. There's Adam and Jesus. They were all the children of Adam. That's why, you know, I mean, that's why you see Peter, the night before the crucifixion, flaking out. And then on the day of Pentecost, preaching to thousands and they all get saved because he was born again. He's a new creature in Christ. But Jesus is speaking to people that are not even new creatures in Christ Jesus. And he says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them. For verily I say unto you, what, what, right? Right? Help me out here. Help me out here, Todd. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. That's verse 24. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says are coming to pass, he's going to have whatever he says. He's speaking to whosoever's. He says, if a whosoever will say and doubt not, but believe the things that he's saying are coming to pass, he's going to have whatever he says. At the Tower of Babel, God came down and says, they can have whatever they can imagine because they're all of the same speech. So there's a connection between what we imagine and what we say. And the people that live in those big houses, they can't imagine themselves living in a, a slum. They can't even see that. They can't even imagine that. They eliminate that image from their imaginer. Well, they, they may have never had a lot of them. Lot, you know, a lot of rich people were born in poverty and they just had a, they were, they were just bent on getting out of it. It was the last thing they do. And they didn't always do it the right way. And they didn't always handle it the right way. And, they, and sometimes they're not nice people and so on and so forth. But they still got it because they saw themselves with it and they said it. Why can't we do that? I think a lot of times it's because we've browbeaten ourselves with a religiosity that says, well, you know, money's bad. And, and, and you know, the first thing we think is, well, I'm sure they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And I'm sure that, you know, that's, that's what we think. And, and I said that for years. I said that for years, Rebecca. I see the guys in the lawnmower, lawn business. I'm, I had a 30-year-old truck, a 30-year-old lawnmower, a 30-year-old weed whacker, right? And I'm proud of myself. We're poor, but we're proud, right? That's two problems, right? And I would always say that. I would say, well, I see these other companies driving down the street with a new truck and a new trailer and a new lawnmower. And, and I'm like, yeah, they're probably in debt. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just limit ourselves with, with things like that. You know, when you see somebody succeed, when you see somebody get rich, don't ever criticize. That's why, that's why it's so devastating to me when I see people criticize somebody like Joel Osteen. And you know who criticizes Joel Osteen? Christians. Christian people criticize Joel Osteen or Kenneth Copeland. Christians go after the successful man of God. You know, Creflo Dollar and Andrew Womack. We were at Andrew Womack in, in March and some guy stands up in the back of the room. What did the guy say? Yeah, you're stealing. Womack, you're stealing from the churches. What did Andrew Womack say to him? I don't think so. And, and the, guy, they, the guy got up and left. Praise the Lord. And Andrew Womack says, there's plenty of money. 
It's a poverty mentality. That it's a pie and I got to get my slice. It's not a pie. It's an orchard. Or a wheat field. And if you have a thousand acres of wheat, Todd, how many grains of wheat are in a thousand acres? Now that's an expert opinion right there, right? If he says there's a lot, more than anybody could count. But if you take those and plant all of them, what are you going to get? So it's virtually infinite, isn't it? I mean, how much of the, of the land surface are we actually cultivating? Not really, not much. I heard we're living on something like 6% of the land surface. And all this flyover country, you know, you can fly and, and there's a lot of farms out there, but a lot of it's just empty. You can't tell me all that's worthless. You can't tell me all that land out there is worthless. They just haven't discovered what to do with it yet, right? And you can't tell me there's not enough water because near as I can tell, I mean, this worked in third grade science class. I think it still works. Every molecule of water that was ever on planet Earth is still here somewhere. Right? I had a guy tell me, huh? Huh? Yeah, I had a guy tell me one time, he says, you're wasting water and it's pretty much a non-renewable resource. <laughs> and I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where does it go? Well, it goes into the ground. And it percolates through thousands of, of feet of sandstone and comes through El Dorado Artesian Springs. A hundred gallons a minute, perfectly clean, more than they can capture. I know the guys that, that own that, that, uh, that spring and they're, they're multimillionaires. Just taking water, put it in a the bottle. There's no shortage. There's no shortage on planet Earth. The only shortage is in between the ears of Christians. That's where the shortage is, is in your imagination. See, God has given us an imagination. Anybody have any idea what time it is here? 7.30. We've only got two hours left, so we've got to hurry. God has given us an imagination. It's a God-given thing. And most of us are so gun-shy to even talk about an imagination. We've been browbeaten with religion. Oh, you're using your imagination. Well, yeah. You can't, you can't get to church without using your imagination. You see yourself going to church. You see yourself taking a left turn. You're doing it subliminally. You're doing it subconsciously because you can talk on the phone and solve the world's problems on the phone and turn and hit your turn signal and shift gears without even thinking about it. Because your inner man, your inner woman is, is powerful, hyper intelligent, way smarter than I am. Right, right, right. It's because it's because you're doing these things subconsciously. And if we could just program our subconscious for success, you'd produce it effortlessly. You don't really think that these rich people are just going, I'm going to get rich. No, they, no, they just say, all right, I'll do this. I'll do that. And then they go do something else. They set a process in motion and it starts working because they understand the whole universe works on a seed time harvest process. They know if I do this, this will be the result. I'll just do this and then I'll do it again and I'll do it again and then I'm going to go play golf while it's percolating. And we are we have limited ourselves 
So how, how, do you, how do you make it work? Joshua chapter 1. Did you hold your place there or did you follow me over here to Mark? Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. He says this book of the law. You could update that to modern language and say the word, the word of God. God is going to give you a word every single day. If you will just give him a minute or two, he'll give you a word every single day. That's why I encourage you to keep up with your Bible readings and try to do it first. I mean, yesterday, you want to hear true confessions of a word of faith preacher? Huh? No? Yesterday, I, I went after this guy that owes me money first thing in the morning. I never did get to my chapter. So I read two or three today. I mean, you know, but, but it just goes to, you know, goes to show you that you don't put God first the day can sweep you away. The cares of this world, the lusts of other things, the deceitfulness of riches will carry you away, even if you're a pastor. So put God first, put God first. This book of the law, or the word of God, shall not depart out of thy, what? Mouth. Tell your faith buddy, say thy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Tell yourself, say, my mouth. Yeah. The word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth. We need to speak God's word. And, and you know, it's good to speak it when times are good, but I have found that the word of God is powerful enough to overcome every situation that we face in life. So I would recommend that you speak the word of God that applies to your situation in the face of all evidence to the contrary. Uh, what does it say in Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 10? I think it's verse 38. Let us hold fast to our confession. For he is faithful that promise. Find the promises of God that cover your case. And sink thy teeth into them like a bulldog. You know what I mean by that, right? Because the devil is going to try to get you to surrender your confession. He's going to try to show you an image of failure and get you to agree with that image of failure with your words. Remember the Tower of Babel. God came down and he saw that anything, does it, do you remember the story? Anything they can imagine they can accomplish. Why? Because they were of one speech. And God came down and said, let us confound their language. I heard Charles Capps talking about this. Confound is a word that means something like fodder. Now, if you, we, we have some, some agronauts here in the room, but most of us don't know what fodder is. When you're, when you're feeding, you wanna help me out here, Todd? When you're feeding, when you're feeding livestock, when you're feeding, when you're, yeah, it's an old word. When you're feeding cows, you take some, some nutrient-rich feed, like some corn or alfalfa or whatever, and you mix in some husks and stalks and stuff like that to make it go further. Filler. And they, they eat all that, and they feel full. And they, so, they, so they, feel, they have a sense of satisfaction because of the fodder. And God came down and says, let's fodder their language. 
he had to, Brother Copeland says, capped it. Because it, 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 God had to cap the flesh, he says, or they, apparently from the scripture, they could have built a tower that would reach unto heaven, apparently. He said, nothing they can imagine, as long as they're of one speech, as long as they're in agreement of speech, anything that they can imagine, they can accomplish. So in the flesh, that process had to be capped. In the spirit, we are not capped. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How to stay, how to get right, be right, and stay right. And stay on the path of righteousness, right? And along that path is everything you need. Well, if we're suffering lack, if we're suffering confusion, it's because we've wandered from the path of righteousness and we're not seeking kingdom first. Because sure as you're sitting here, if we'll put kingdom first and his way of getting right, being right, and staying right, everything you need is going to get swallowed up. You're not going to have to even think about your needs anymore. You can start dreaming and letting God's dream percolate in you. God didn't create us just to have our needs met. Come on, a tree has its needs met out there in the forest. It's got some light, it's got some dirt, it's got some water. That's all it needs. But it can't go nowhere, right? God wants you to go somewhere. God wants you to dream. And a lot of times in religion, we've been, we've been shackled with, yeah, but God, I've heard people say this, you know, God's not going to give you all everything you want. He's only going to give you just what you need. You can't always get what you want. You can't, right? That's not in the Bible, right? You get what you need. That's not in the Bible, right? Who, who is that? Was that a gospel singer? That's the Rolling Stones, huh? How do you know that, Jack? Did Cindy tell you? Okay. And, and Christians think that way. Well, you can, you're not always going to get everything you desire, but God will give you just what you need. And not much of that either. Wait, is he broke? If that was true, he'd have to either be broke or mean. Or deaf. God, I, I desire this stuff. And he's like, uh, what, what, what? <laughs> he says I'll hear you before you call didn't he say it uh, start dreaming and your needs are going to get swallowed up start seeing yourself ascending to plateaus and vistas that you've never seen before not just not just for yourself but maybe for somebody else that's what God told me in August of um, 2014, I took a long walk in the mountains and God spoke to me and he said, this is your calling, this is your anointing, don't look back. Somebody gave me a picture of a moose looking between their legs that says, don't look back. <laughs> this moose is like looking at you like this and it says, don't look back. That's right, in, that's right where I need to be reminded every day, right? 
see the backside of a moose every day, praise the Lord. Don't look back, don't look back. Don't compare tomorrow's dream with yesterday's results. Don't be shackled by the past. You're not limited by the past unless you look back. Because if you look back, you're poisoning your future imagination. You can't see yourself ascending to the plateaus and vistas that God wants you to, to see. When you get to a plateau, everything opens up and you see things you've never seen before. But you can't do it if you're looking back. When you're looking back, you can't climb it. You ever try to climb a mountain looking backwards? It's hard to do it. You're going to stumble and whack your head, right? Amen. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. You know what meditate means in the Bible? Chew your cud. That's a good word. Yeah. Huh? Yep. It means, uh, uh, I heard Brother, Brother Higgins say, mutter or mumble. Be careful of what you say to yourself when you don't think anybody's listening. Because sometimes those are the words that are actually curbing our success. If you make a mistake, watch what you say under pressure. I know I'm probably the only one. That says things I wished I hadn't said, right? Because that's coming out of your spirit. It's coming out of the subconscious. And it shows you what your program is. The program is being revealed when you don't think anybody's listening. So how do you reprogram yourself? How do you get an image of success on the inside that will produce itself effortlessly? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But you must meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. You can't see or observe how to do it if you don't say it. If you want to see it, you got to say it. If you want to see something different, you got to say something different. If all you say is what you see, all you're ever going to have is what you already got. Glory to God. You want to, if you want to see something different, you got to say something different. I believe I receive complete and total debt freedom. I see myself out of debt. I see myself retiring early. I see myself helping people. I see myself carrying armloads of goods to people in need. I see myself meeting the heart's desires of people that have only wished and dreamed that they could have something, and God's going to use me to provide it for them. Why not? Now, do you think if you are that kind of giver, if you think if you're a big league giver, do you think that your needs are going to... Really? Really? Uh, I heard Keith Moore talking about a man who uh, invented a tractor, I think it was. Earth moving equipment, something like that. And it was, it was special. And after a few years, he was living on 10% of his income from that machine. 
Right, right, right. But do you think you could live comfortably on $300 million? Yeah. Uh, uh, excuse me, on 10% of $300 million? You think you'd be all right? You think you'd be worried about your copay? You think you'd be griping about that pension? Huh? You, you think if you wrecked your Mercedes, you think you would weep over it or you think you'd just go get another one? Uh, what's that? Listen, again, again, I, I want the tough shed on the mining claim. Don't judge me. We don't all have to have jets. I mean, you know, I mean, not everybody. Some of us are not ready for jets. We have to take care of our little car that God gave us and clean the French fries out from under the back seat. For we're qualified for a jet. Amen. You know, there's a, there's a scripture there in Exodus where God said, when you enter the promised land, I'm going to drive out the enemy a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. He said, because if I clear out the whole promised land and you haven't gone through the process of conquering every square foot of it, if he conquers the whole thing for you and then hands it to you without the process of incremental stewardship advancement, right? He said, the beasts of the field will multiply against you. You know, if, if you took a, a, a trillion dollars and divided it equally for everybody in Colorado, you know what would happen in just a couple of days? The rich people would accumulate most of it and the poor people would spend all of it because they have never learned the lessons of stewardship. Woo-wee. Sometimes we think, God, if I had a million dollars, I know what I'd do. He's like, yeah, I know what you'd do too. You do exactly what you're doing with the money you got now. And we would. We do exactly what we're doing with the money we got now. Money doesn't change you. Money just amplifies you. And if we have a poverty mentality, a greed mentality, no imagination, no game plan, then, then, then we really don't qualify for fabulous wealth, do we? Can you see yourself? Uh, and, and listen, you may, just, you may just see an image like through the mist where you barely see the frame of that house and then it kind of goes away and, okay, and, the, and the mist, the fog kind of moves a little bit and you can see the frame a little bit again. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in the woods and the, and the mist is kind of blowing through there and you can make out shapes for a second or two and then, and then you lose it and then you get it back again? That may be what it's like, but this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, that you, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then I will fix everything in your life. Is that what he said? Thou shalt then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. You're going to do it with his word. Say, I make my way prosperous. I speak the word of God in every situation. Over every failure, I speak the word of God. 
Over every frustration, I speak the word of God. I believe I receive a fresh imagination. Help me, Holy Spirit, to see myself possessing my possessions that you ordained for me from the foundation of the world. You know, you know, people that go to heaven, they come back and they say, they got that big warehouse. You ever heard that? It's kind of universal. They all come back and say, there's that big warehouse up there. And, you know, they, they all have a, like a guide, maybe an angel or maybe Jesus or maybe their, their grandma or somebody guides them through heaven. And they always come to that big warehouse. You know what's in that warehouse? All the stuff that was set aside for them that they never claimed. And you know, God's got to give it to, to the heathen sometimes because they, they, they'll believe or receive or doubt and do without. They already understand this basic concept that if they can see it and they say it, they're going to have it. You know, every, every crossroads of life, it really functions that way. It's really so simple. I don't know why we complicate it. But if we can say it, we can see it and we can have it. We just have to convince ourselves that we can have that and let God paint that image of success on our hearts. And there, there's, you, you will ascend to plateaus and vistas that you've never seen before. And therein lies your destiny. And there's people that you will reach with this word. There's people that you will bring this kingdom message to. And that's your destiny. Crowds of people, throngs of hungry people. They're just waiting. Jesus said, look, look at the fields. They're white already to harvest. When the world sees real prosperity in the church, they're going to come running. They're going to come running. It's amazing that preachers have preached against prosperity. But you know, prosperity isn't just money. It's success. It's success. It's success in everything you do. You got time for one more? How much time we got here? Oh, I got nine minutes. That's time for a couple of home runs. How about Psalm 1? Psalm 1. I'm going to keep doing this till Jesus comes. Amen. Blessed is the man. Now you understand, ladies, right? This is talking about mankind, right? I raised two girls and I always said, blessed is the girl. <laughs> Daddy, it doesn't say that. Oh, yes, it does. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, unfortunately, sometimes even Christian people give ungodly counsel. They'll tell you that you can't have that. They'll tell you that, you know, you know, people that have that are all bad. They're all bad. All rich people, they're all bad. No, they're not. They're not. They're not all bad. I know some rich people. Some of them are really good. Psalm 112 says that he's, this man is wealthy and his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures all of the onslaughts of the devil. What do you really think is more powerful anyway, righteousness or sin? Come on. Sometimes the way we think, it's like, oh my God, I got to avoid sin. Why don't you just steamroll it with the righteousness of God? 
I mean, come on, darkness can't stand up to light. You are the light of the world. The devil can't stand up to you. He's a bully. You know how to deal with a bully? Stand up to him. He'll run every single time. Every single time. Isn't that right, Todd? That's how you deal with a bully. You just stand up to him. Show him you're not afraid. You know how, what, a, what a, a bully's reaction? If you're, if you're not afraid of him, he's terrified of you. I mean, the author of fear is the most, most fearful being in the whole universe. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord or in the word of God. And in his law, what does he do day and night? Meditate. He talks about it. She talks about it. And you don't have to talk to people that don't want, want to hear this. But maybe on your lunch break, find a couple of scriptures. I did this so many times. I just find a scripture or two and just read a verse or two three or four times a day on my break. And man, that does something to you. That does something. It builds it into you and you can sense the power and the presence of God with a simple little exercise like that. Just find one or two verses. I mean, when I was head over heels, I mean seven figures in debt, I found one Bible verse and I said it over and over and over and over, right? Day and night, he meets my needs according to his riches and glory. And I said it in the Amplified Version, but I don't have that memorized anymore. <laughs> uh, but his delight is in the, in, the, in the law of the Lord and in his law, he talks it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall turn out right. Everything you touch is going to turn out right, Jason. Everything you touch is going to turn out right. Everything you touch is going to turn out right. Just speak the word of God in the face of all evidence to the contrary, in the face of certain defeat, speak success. In the, in the face of the poverty, the biggest, smelliest, poverty, bully, devil that comes knocking at your door, you speak wealth in Jesus' name. So I'm a child of the living God. My daddy's rich. My daddy loves me. I'm holding on to him and I'll never go down. I'm the head and not the tail, above and never beneath. How do you like me now? <laughs> Come on, you got to get some sass on you. So no, you don't, devil. You can't just roll over and say, well, I just don't know what we're going to do. I know what we're going to do. We're going to speak the word of God in the face of all evidence to the contrary. Uh, at the crossroads of life, we're going to speak success. Say, I make my way prosperous. I have good success. I meditate your word day and night. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I'm seeking the kingdom first. I'm a giver. I'm a sower. I'm a tither. I have kingdom rights. I pick up my sword. I pick up my shield. I have the helmet of salvation. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is the victory that overcomes the world system, even our 
faith. Prosperity begins in your heart. Prosperity begins in your soul before it ever hits your checkbook. When your checkbook is lying to you, why don't you laugh at it? <laughs> you, I don't go by you. I go by this. This book of the law should not depart out of my mouth. I'm blessed. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. When the ungodly are jumping ship, when the ungodly are being critical, when the ungodly are saying, I don't believe all that. I don't walk in their counsel. I don't stand around with them. I don't sit with them. I meditate this by day and by night. And I'm blessed. You know what that word blessed means, right? Empowered to prosper. That means God is going to bring you divine opportunities. As many as you need. As many, way more than you need. I could miss 10 today and there'd be 100 tomorrow. Say divine opportunities are coming to me every day. So, so can you see a gift coming to you? All gift wrapped coming to you? It's coming right to you on God's conveyor belt. Can you see it coming? Can you see Jesus with his arms folded across his chest? He's smiling. He's got that smirk on his face. He says, I just sent that to those people. It's fun to give. When he's, he's like, I can't wait till they open that. Come on, come on, open it, open it. Can you see it coming down God's conveyor belt to you? Oh, it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. Can you see it? Can you see yourself ripping that thing open, digging through the popcorn and pulling that thing out and saying, wow, it's everything I never knew I always wanted, right? That's God's plan for you. God's plan for you is not to fail. God's plan for you is not to sink into some abyss of failure. God's plan for you is to ascend to plateaus and vistas of success that you've never seen before, never seen before. And therein lies your destiny. And you're going to take this word to people beyond those horizons. And they're going to duplicate it. And then Jesus is going to come. And we're going to wrap this whole thing up. We're going to get out of here. And, and then we're coming back. And we're going to take over. And because you've been faithful, God is going to make you master over much. You've been faithful with little. God is going to make you master over much. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. All right, friends, I'm going to start with um, the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. And I'm calling this God's success plan. God's success plan. Did you know that God wants you to be successful? Did you know that God wants everything you touch to turn out right? Did you know that God does not want you to get beat up at the game of life? Have you ever uh, been to your kid's ball game? No. Have you ever been to somebody else's kid's ball game? Have you ever been to your cat's ball game? Right? You ever been to a ball game? You ever heard of a ball? <laughs> okay. There's a hoop. Give me a ball. I'll take a couple shots here. We'll see what happens. You know you don't want your kids to get beat up at the ball game of life, right? Right? I mean, if your cat was out there in the yard and some other cat came and just body slammed him, you would go do something about it now, wouldn't you? Uh, you need a pen? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God speaking to Joshua at the crossroads of life. And I have discovered, friends, 
that the guidance that God provides us at the crossroads of life will be absolutely unmistakable. If the guidance that you're seeking is not clear, it's quite possible that you are not at a crossroads. <laughs> a lot of times we try to force a turn where a turn does not belong. We're saying, God, how come I can't you keep hitting the curb? And you hit the curb on this side, and you hit the curb on that side. You gotta wait till you get to the intersection, friend. <laughs> I'm talking to somebody. God's guidance at the crossroads of life has, in my life has been absolutely unmistakable. I have tried to force God to guide me. <laughs> I don't smell nothing. I just see a good looking young brother over there. That's all I see, man. You're looking good, man. You're good. Love you the way you are. Don't change for me. We, you cannot force God to guide you. Think about that. But we do try. We're like, God, you got to give me an answer. And he's like, uh, what's the question? Right? Sometimes we're asking the wrong question. And, it, and, and I, I just think, you know, the Christian life, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, I think it's 28 and 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I think you could read right into that. I am easy going. I don't get flustered. I don't freak out over every single situation. I don't have an emotional meltdown every time something goes wrong. And all God's people said amen. Right, 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 right. Isn't that how you see Jesus? Do you see him in the storm, asleep on a pillow in the hinder part of the boat? He wasn't even in the front of the boat. He said, turn here, guys. Right? No, he's like, whatever. I don't care which way you turn. Don't care. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. That's Matthew chapter 11. I think it's verse 29, 28, 29, 30, right in there. You shall find rest unto your soul. Where is all of the angst? Where is the worry? Where is it that we take a problem and we turn it over and over and over and over again? Where is that? Where is that located? It's not in that Bible now, is it? No. Where is that located? Yeah, it's in our head. It's in the soul. And I, I'm tempted to do, the, to do the same thing. There's somebody that owes me some money right now. And you know, if he never did pay me, my life would go on. He's going to pay me. But, you know, sometimes you can get into this email thing back and forth, you know, where you're, where you're, where, here's my position. And they're like, well, here's my position. And you're like, well, here's my position. And they're like, yeah, but what about this? And you're like, well, yeah, but what about that? And sooner or later, We've got to recognize this is strife. This is stupid. This is not accomplishing anything. Jesus, like the, like the country western song, Jesus take the wheel. Right? It's a good song. <laughs> Come on. This, I've done all that I can do. I can't go over there and make that man write me a check. Now my angel, that's another situation, right? My angel could go over there and get that guy, right? Right? <laughs> 
right? And I, you have a money angel. See, I have a money angel. Brother Hagen used to say this. Uh, he wrote a little booklet. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, what God taught me about finances, something like that. And the whole point of the whole book booklet is simply this. Satan, take your hands off my money. Satan, you take your hands off my money. Devil, you take your hands off my money in the name of Jesus. I'm a tither. I'm a sower. I'm a giver. Devil, you take your hands off my money in the name of Jesus. Now, if you had a dog in your trash cans and you chased him off, right, right today, does that guarantee that you wouldn't have to chase him off tomorrow? You might have to chase him off a couple days in a row. You might have to chase him off three days in a row. Anybody ever have a dog knock over your trash cans every single time you put them out? It's a habit for that dog. There was one time when I was, I used to put the trash out back when I was in high school. It was my job, right? And the neighbor's dog, they had one of these mop looking dogs, right? And that smelly, I mean, he had long fur just dragging in the, in the snow. And, and that dog would come knock over my trash cans every time. And then I had to clean it all up. Well, one time I was laying for him, right? And I packed me a snowball. Hi. And it's that Kansas City snow. It packs good, brother. Packs good like a, like a baseball. And I came flying off that porch and I just cold cocked him, right? Right, right there, right? I'm, for all the animal lovers, right? Don't write me any nasty letters, right? Did that dog ever get in my trash cans again? No, he never did. So, if the devil is messing with your finances, and listen, if, if, you're, if you're struggling with finances, if you're struggling with paying bills, if you're struggling with the rent or with debt, get the devil off your stuff. Tell him to take his hands off your stuff. He can't keep you from coming to church. He can't keep you from getting healed. He can't keep you from going to heaven. So he's gonna try to hassle you with finances. He's gonna try to hassle you with family and finances. You might say family, friends, and finances sometimes, right? So it's so simple. Say, devil, take your hands off my money. And you know, uh, Bill Winston, he'll say, you can have as much money and prestige as you can believe God for. And people think, well, I've never heard that in church. Well, maybe going to the wrong church. Because there's no limit on you. The, we drive through these neighborhoods sometimes. We drive through these neighborhoods. And we look at these big, beautiful houses. Me and Cindy have been doing this for years. Are we the only ones? Right? And, and, and we ask, you know, we ask each other, you know, after you see these houses and they're house after house after house, street after street, neighborhood after neighborhood of big, beautiful houses, and we compare that with the house we live in, and, and Cindy sometimes will ask me, she says, what are they doing that, we, that we're not doing? What do they know that we don't know? Sometimes. Sometimes. But I think there's something else. I think there's something else. Huh? They speak it? Okay, yeah. It's real simple. They just believe they belong there. And we don't. <laughs> see, 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 and we, we got to look, we got to get it out on the table and say, 
Do I really believe I belong there? Okay, fine. Listen, listen. I, I was looking at a. I was looking at. Sometimes I get on Zillow, and I was looking at a uh, a mining claim at ninety five hundred feet, seven acres, with a tough shed on it, and I'm like, that's what I want. With a big porch, right? With a hummingbird feeder, right? That's, a, that's what I want. That's what I, and a barbecue. I just want to sit there on that porch and watch the birds come to the bird feeder and, and shoot the mammals that come by. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I want a meditation cabin. I, you know, I mean, what are the, the utilities are real cheap, right? <laughs> You don't have to, just because Brother Copeland has a jet doesn't mean you should believe God for a jet. You might believe God for a tractor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Why don't you have a little talk with the Lord? Why don't you have a long talk with the Lord? Turn off everything and say, you know what, Lord, you know, sometimes I've asked for this and I've asked for that. And, we kind of drive down the street and say, I'll take one of these, I'll take one of those, I'll take one of these, I'll I'd sure like one of those. And the next thing you know, we're wishing. I wish I had one of those. Stop wishing. Wishing delays the arrival of the thing that you desire. Sure as we're sitting here. For a Christian to be wishing for things is going to delay the arrival of that thing that you desire. And I think sometimes we just have to come to, we have to come clean with ourselves and say, I do desire a home. I do desire a car. Well, what about getting saved? Most of the people in the room is already saved. Been saved for a long time and still struggling with stuff. And that's not God's will. Those people, they see themselves, whether they're saved or not. Jesus said, what things soever you desire. Who's he speaking to? Who is Jesus speaking to in Mark chapter 11? I mean, technically, really, who was he speaking to? I know you want to say he's speaking to us. Sure he is. But who is standing there looking at Jesus? Were they born again? Were they born again? Not a one of them. Nobody was born again until Jesus arose from the dead. They were all just sinners. There's only two families on planet Earth. There's Adam and Jesus. They were all the children of Adam. That's why, you know, I mean, that's why you see Peter the night before the crucifixion flaking out and then on the day of Pentecost preaching to thousands and they all get saved because he was born again. He's a new creature in Christ. But Jesus is speaking to people that are not even new creatures in Christ Jesus. And he says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, you believe that you receive them and you shall have them. For verily I say unto you, what, what, right? Right? Help me out here. Help me out here, Todd. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. That's verse 24. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says are coming to pass, he's going to have whatever he says. He's speaking to whosoever's. 
He says, if a whosoever will say and doubt not, but believe the things that he's saying are coming to pass, he's going to have whatever he says. At the Tower of Babel, God came down and says, they can have whatever they can imagine because they're all of the same speech. So there's a connection between what we imagine and what we say. And the people that live in those big houses, they can't imagine themselves living in a, a slum. They can't even see that. They can't even imagine that. They eliminate that image from their imaginer. Well, they, they may have never had a lot of them. Lot, you know, a lot of rich people were born in poverty and they just had a, they were, they were just bent on getting out of it. It was the last thing they do. And they didn't always do it the right way. And they didn't always handle it the right way. And, they, and sometimes they're not nice people and so on and so forth. But they still got it because they saw themselves with it and they said it. Why can't we do that? I think a lot of times it's because we've browbeaten ourselves with a religiosity that says, well, you know, money's bad. And, and, and you know, the first thing we think is, well, I'm sure they're in debt up to their eyeballs. And I'm sure that, you know, that's, that's what we think. And, and I said that for years. I said that for years, Rebecca. I see the guys in the lawnmower, lawn business. I'm, I had a 30-year-old truck, a 30-year-old lawnmower, a 30-year-old weed whacker, right? And I'm proud of myself. We're poor, but we're proud, right? That's two problems, right? And I would always say that. I would say, well, I see these other companies driving down the street with a new truck and a new trailer and a new lawnmower. And, and I'm like, yeah, they're probably in debt. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just limit ourselves with, with things like that. You know, when you see somebody succeed, when you see somebody get rich, don't ever criticize. That's why, that's why it's so devastating to me when I see people criticize somebody like Joel Osteen. And you know who criticizes Joel Osteen? Christians. Christian people criticize Joel Osteen or Kenneth Copeland. Christians go after the successful man of God. You know, Creflo Dollar and Andrew Womack. We were at Andrew Womack in, in March and some guy stands up in the back of the room. What did the guy say? Yeah, you're stealing. Womack, you're stealing from the churches. What did Andrew Womack say to him? I don't think so. And, and the, guy, they, the guy got up and left. Praise the Lord. And Andrew Womack says, there's plenty of money. It's a poverty mentality. That it's a pie and I got to get my slice. It's not a pie. It's an orchard. Or a wheat field. And if you have a thousand acres of wheat, Todd, how many grains of wheat are in a thousand acres? Now that's an expert opinion right there, right? If he says there's a lot, more than anybody could count. But if you take those and plant all of them, what are you going to get? So it's virtually infinite, isn't it? I mean, how much of the of the land surface are we actually cultivating? Not really, not much. I heard we're living on something like 6% of the land surface. And all this flyover country, you know, you can fly and, and there's a lot of farms out there, but a lot of it's just empty. You can't tell me all that's worthless. You can't tell me all that land out there is worthless. They just haven't discovered what to do with it yet, right? 
And you can't tell me there's not enough water because near as I can tell, I mean, this worked in third grade science class. I think it still works. Every molecule of water that was ever on planet Earth is still here somewhere. Right? I had a guy tell me, huh? Huh? Yeah, I had a guy tell me one time, he says, you're wasting water and it's pretty much a non-renewable resource. And I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where does it go? Well, it goes into the ground. And it percolates through thousands of, of feet of sandstone and comes through El Dorado Artesian Springs. A hundred gallons a minute, perfectly clean. More than they can capture. I know the guys that, that own that, that, uh, that spring and they're, they're multimillionaires. Just taking water, put it in a the bottle. There's no shortage. There's no shortage on planet Earth. The only shortage is in between the ears of Christians. That's where the shortage is, is in your imagination. See, see, God has given us an imagination. Anybody have any idea what time it is here? 7.30. We've only got two hours left, so we've got to hurry. God has given us an imagination. It's a God-given thing. And most of us are so gun-shy to even talk about an imagination. We've been browbeaten with religion. Oh, you're using your imagination. Well, yeah. You can't, you can't get to church without using your imagination. You see yourself going to church. You see yourself taking a left turn. You're doing it subliminally. You're doing it subconsciously. Because you can talk on the phone and solve the world's problems on the phone and turn and hit your turn signal and shift gears without even thinking about it. Because your inner man, your inner woman is, is powerful hyper-intelligent, way smarter than I am. Right, right, right. It's because it's because you're doing these things subconsciously. And if we could just program our subconscious for success, you'd produce it effortlessly. You don't really think that these rich people are just going, I'm going to get rich. No, they, no, they just say, all right, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then they go do something else. They set a process in motion. And it starts working because they understand the whole universe works on a seed time harvest process. They know if I do this, this will be the result. So I'll just do this and then I'll do it again and I'll do it again. And then I'm going to go play golf while it's percolating. And we are, we have limited ourselves. So how, how do you, how do you make it work? Joshua chapter one. Did you hold your place there? Or did you follow me over here to Mark? Joshua chapter one, verse eight. He says, this book of the law, you could update that to modern language and say the word, the word of God. God is gonna give you a word every single day. If you will just give him a minute or two, he'll give you a word every single day. That's why I encourage you to keep up with your Bible readings and try to do it first. I mean, yesterday, you wanna hear true confessions of a word of faith preacher? Huh? No? Yesterday, I, I went after this guy that owes me money first thing in the morning. I never did get to my chapter. So I read two or three today. I mean, you know, but, but it just goes to, you know, goes to show you that you don't put God first. The day can sweep you away. The cares of this world, the lusts of other things, the deceitfulness of riches will carry you away, even if you're a pastor. 
So put God first. Put God first. This book of the law, or the word of God, shall not depart out of thy, what? Mouth. Tell your faith buddy, say, thy mouth. Thy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Tell yourself, say, my mouth. my mouth. Yeah. The word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth. We need to speak God's word. And, and, you know, it's good to speak it when times are good, but I have found that the Word of God is powerful enough to overcome every situation that we face in life. So I would recommend that you speak the Word of God that applies to your situation in the face of all evidence to the contrary. Uh, what does it say in Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 10? I think it's verse 38. Let us hold fast to our confession. For he is faithful that promise. Find the promises of God that cover your case and sink thy teeth into them like a bulldog. You know what I mean by that, right? Because the devil is going to try to get you to surrender your confession. He's going to try to show you an image of failure and get you to agree with that image of failure with your words. Remember the Tower of Babel. God came down and he saw that anything, does it, do you remember the story? Anything they can imagine, they can accomplish. Why? Because they were of one speech. And God came down and said, let us confound their language. I heard Charles Capps talking about this. Confound is a word that means something like Fodder. Now, if you, we, we have some, some agronauts here in the room, but most of us don't know what fodder is. When you're, when you're feeding, you want to help me out here, Todd? When you're feeding, when you're feeding livestock, when you're feeding, when you're, yeah, it's an old word. When you're feeding cows, you take some, some nutrient-rich feed, like some corn or alfalfa or whatever, and you mix in some husks and stalks and stuff like that to make it go further. Filler. And they, they eat all that and they feel full. And they, so, they, so they feel, they have a sense of satisfaction because of the fodder. And God came down and says, let's fodder their language. He had to, Brother Copeland says, capped it. Because it, 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 God had to cap the flesh. He says, or they, apparently from the scripture, they could have built a tower that would reach unto heaven. Apparently. He said, nothing they can imagine, as long as they're of one speech, as long as they're in agreement of speech, anything that they can imagine, they can accomplish. So in the flesh, that process had to be capped. In the spirit, we are not capped. That's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How to stay, how to get right, be right, and stay right. And stay on the path of righteousness, right? And along that path is everything you need. Well, if we're suffering lack, if we're suffering confusion, it's because we've wandered from the path of righteousness and we're not seeking kingdom first. Because sure as you're sitting here, if we'll put kingdom first and his way of getting right, being right, and staying right, Everything you need is going to get swallowed up. 
you're not going to have to even think about your needs anymore. You can start dreaming and letting God's dream percolate in you. God didn't create us just to have our needs met. Come on, a tree has its needs met out there in the forest. It's got some light, it's got some dirt, it's got some water. That's all it needs. But it can't go nowhere, right? God wants you to go somewhere. God wants you to dream. And a lot of times in religion, we've been, we've been shackled with, yeah, but God, I've heard people say this, you know, God's not going to give you all everything you want. He's only going to give you just what you need. You can't always get what you want. You can't, right? That's not in the Bible, right? You get what you need. That's not in the Bible, right? Who, who is that? Was that a gospel singer? That's the Rolling Stones, huh? How do you know that, Jack? Did Cindy tell you? Okay. And, and Christians think that way. Well, you can, you're not always going to get everything you desire, but God will give you just what you need. And not much of that either. Wait, is he broke? If that was true, he'd have to either be broke or mean. Or deaf. God, I, I desire this stuff. And he's like, uh, what, what, what? <laughs> he says, I'll hear you before you call. Didn't he say it? Uh, start dreaming and your needs are going to get swallowed up. Start seeing yourself ascending to plateaus and vistas that you've never seen before. Not just, not just for yourself, but maybe for somebody else. That's what God told me in August of um, 2014, I took a long walk in the mountains and God spoke to me and he said, this is your calling. This is your anointing. Don't look back. Somebody gave me a picture of a moose looking between their legs. It says, don't look back. <laughs> this moose is like looking at you like this. And it says, don't look back. That's right. In, that's right. Where I need to be reminded every day, right? See the backside of a moose every day, praise the Lord. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't compare tomorrow's dream with yesterday's results. Don't be shackled by the past. You're not limited by the past unless you look back. Because if you look back, you're poisoning your future imagination. You can't see yourself ascending to the plateaus and vistas that God wants you to, to see. When you get to a plateau, everything opens up and you see things you've never seen before. But you can't do it if you're looking back. When you're looking back, you can't climb it. You ever try to climb a mountain looking backwards? It's hard to do, isn't it? You're going to stumble and whack your head, right? Amen. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate. You know what meditate means in the Bible? Chew your cud. That's a good word. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It means, uh, uh, I heard Brother, Brother Higgins say mutter or mumble. 
Be careful of what you say to yourself when you don't think anybody's listening. Because sometimes those are the words that are actually curbing our success. If you make a mistake, watch what you say under pressure. I know I'm probably the only one. That says things I wished I hadn't said, right? Because it's coming out of your spirit. It's coming out of the subconscious. And it shows you what your program is. The program is being revealed when you don't think anybody's listening. So how do you reprogram yourself? How do you get an image of success on the inside that will produce itself effortlessly? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But you must meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. You can't see or observe how to do it if you don't say it. If you want to see it, you got to say it. If you want to see something different, you got to say something different. If all you say is what you see, all you're ever going to have is what you already got. Glory to God. You want to, if you want to see something different, you got to say something different. I believe I receive complete and total debt freedom. I see myself out of debt. I see myself retiring early. I see myself helping people. I see myself carrying armloads of goods to people in need. I see myself meeting the heart's desires of people that have only wished and dreamed that they could have something and God's going to use me to provide it for them. Why not? Now, do you think if you are that kind of giver, if you think if you're a big league giver, do you think that your needs are going to, really? Really? Uh, I heard Keith Moore talking about a man who uh, invented a tractor, I think it was, earth moving equipment, something like that. And it was, it was special. And after a few years, he was living on 10% of his income from that machine. Right, right, right. But do you think you could live comfortably on $300 million? Yeah. Uh, uh, excuse me, on 10% of $300 million? You think you'd be all right? You think you'd be worried about your copay? You think you'd be griping about that pension? Huh? You, you think if you wrecked your Mercedes, you think you would weep over it or you think you'd just go get another one? Uh, what's that? Listen, again, again, I, I want the tough shed on the mining claim. Don't judge me. We don't all have to have jets. I mean, you know, I mean, not everybody. Some of us are not ready for jets. We have to take care of our little car that God gave us and clean the French fries out from under the back seat. For we're qualified for a jet. Amen.
You know, there's a, there's a scripture there in Exodus where God said, when you enter the promised land, I'm going to drive out the enemy a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. He said, because if I clear out the whole promised land and you haven't gone through the process of conquering every square foot of it, if he conquers the whole thing for you and then hands it to you without the process of incremental stewardship advancement, right? He said, the beasts of the field will multiply against you. You know, if, if you took a, a, a trillion dollars and divided it equally for everybody in Colorado. You know what would happen in just a couple of days? The rich people would accumulate most of it and the poor people would spend all of it because they have never learned the lessons of stewardship. Woo wee. Sometimes we think, God, if I had a million dollars, I know what I'd do. He's like, yeah, I know what you'd do too. You do exactly what you're doing with the money you got now. And we would. We do exactly what we're doing with the money we got now. Money doesn't change you. Money just amplifies you. And if we have a poverty mentality, a greed mentality, no imagination, no game plan, then 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 we really don't qualify for fabulous wealth, do we? Can you see yourself? Uh, and, and listen, you may, just, you may just see an image like through the mist where you barely see the frame of that house and then it kind of goes away and, okay, and, the, and the mist, the fog kind of moves a little bit and you can see the frame a little bit again. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in the woods and the, and the mist is kind of blowing through there and you can make out shapes for a second or two and then, and then you lose it and then you get it back again? That may be what it's like, but this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, that you, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then I will fix everything in your life. Is that what he said? Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. You're going to do it with his word. Say, I make my way prosperous. I speak the word of God in every situation. Over every failure, I speak the word of God. Over every frustration, I speak the word of God. I believe I receive a fresh imagination. Help me, Holy Spirit, to see myself possessing my possessions that you ordained for me from the foundation of the world. You know, you know, people that go to heaven, they come back and they say they got that big warehouse. You ever heard that? It's kind of universal. They all come back and say there's that big warehouse up there. And you know, they, they all have a, like a guide, maybe an angel or maybe Jesus or maybe their, their grandma or somebody guides them through heaven and they always come to that big warehouse. You know what's in that warehouse? All the stuff that was set aside for them that they never claimed. And you know, God's got to give it to, to the heathen sometimes because they, they, they'll believe or receive or doubt and do without. They already understand this basic concept that if they can see it and they say it, they're going to have it. 
You know, every, every crossroads of life, it really functions that way. It's really so simple. I don't know why we complicate it. But if we can say it, we can see it, and we can have it. We just have to convince ourselves that we can have that and let God paint that image of success on our hearts. And there, there's, you, you will ascend to plateaus and vistas that you've never seen before. And therein lies your destiny. And there's people that you will reach with this word. There's people that you will bring this kingdom message to. And that's your destiny. Crowds of people. Throngs of hungry people. They're just waiting. Jesus said, look, look at the fields. They're white already to harvest. When the world sees real prosperity in the church, they're going to come running. They're going to come running. It's amazing that preachers have preached against prosperity. But you know, prosperity isn't just money. It's success. It's success. It's success in everything you do. You got time for one more? How much time we got here? Oh, I got nine minutes. That's time for a couple of home runs. How about Psalm 1? Psalm 1. I'm going to keep doing this till Jesus comes. Amen. Blessed is the man. Now you understand, ladies, right? This is talking about mankind, right? I raised two girls and I always said, blessed is the girl. <laughs> Daddy, it doesn't say that. Oh, yes, it does. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, unfortunately, sometimes even Christian people give ungodly counsel. They'll tell you that you can't have that. They'll tell you that, you know, you know, people that have that are all bad. They're all bad. All rich people, they're all bad. No, they're not. They're not. They're not all bad. I know some rich people. Some of them are really good. Psalm 112 says that he's, this man is wealthy and his righteousness endures forever. His righteousness endures all of the onslaughts of the devil. What do you really think is more powerful anyway, righteousness or sin? Come on, sometimes the way we think, it's like, oh my God, I gotta avoid sin. Why don't you just steamroll it with the righteousness of God? I mean, come on, darkness can't stand up to light. You are the light of the world. The devil can't stand up to you. He's a bully. You know how to deal with a bully? Stand up to him. He'll run every single time. Every single time. Isn't that right, Todd? That's how you deal with a bully. You just stand up to him. Show him you're not afraid. You know how, what, a, what a, a bully's reaction? If you're, if you're not afraid of him, he's terrified of you. I mean, the author of fear is the most, most fearful being in the whole universe. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or in the word of God. And in his law, what does he do day and night? Meditate. He talks about it. She talks about it. And you don't have to talk to people that don't want, want to hear this, but maybe on your lunch break. 
find a couple of scriptures. I did this so many times. I just find a scripture or two and just read a verse or two three or four times a day on my break. And man, that does something to you. That does something. It builds it into you and you can sense the power and the presence of God with a simple little exercise like that. Just find one or two verses. I mean, when I was head over heels, I mean seven figures in debt. I found one Bible verse and I said it over and over and over and over, right? Day and night, he meets my needs according to his riches and glory. And I said it in the Amplified Version, but I don't have that memorized anymore. <laughs> uh, but his delight is in the, in, the, in the law of the Lord and in his law, he talks it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall turn out right. Everything you touch is going to turn out right, Jason. Everything you touch is going to turn out. That's for us. We take that. Everything you touch is going to turn out right. Just speak the word of God in the face of all evidence to the contrary, in the face of certain defeat, speak success. In the, in the face of the poverty, the biggest, smelliest, poverty bully devil that comes knocking at your door, you speak wealth in Jesus' name. Say, I'm a child of the living God. My daddy's rich. My daddy loves me. I'm holding on to him and I'll never go down. I'm the head and not the tail, above and never beneath. How do you like me now? <laughs> Come on, you got to get some sass on you. So no, you don't, devil. You can't just roll over and say, well, I just don't know what we're going to do. I know what we're going to do. We're going to speak the word of God in the face of all evidence to the contrary. Uh, at the crossroads of life, we're going to speak success. Say, I make my way prosperous. I have good success. I meditate your word day and night. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I'm seeking the kingdom first. I'm a giver. I'm a sower. I'm a tither. I have kingdom rights. I pick up my sword. I pick up my shield. I have the helmet of salvation. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is the victory that overcomes the world system, even our faith. Prosperity begins in your heart. Prosperity begins in your soul before it ever hits your checkbook. When your checkbook is lying to you, why don't you laugh at it? <laughs> you, I don't go by you. I go by this. This book of the law should not depart out of my mouth. I'm blessed. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. When the ungodly are jumping ship, when the ungodly are being critical, when the ungodly are saying, I don't believe all that. I don't walk in their counsel. I don't stand around with them. I don't sit with them. I meditate this by day and by night. And I'm blessed. You know what that word blessed means, right? Empowered to prosper. That means God is going to bring you divine opportunities as many as you need, as many, way more than you need. I could miss 10 today and there'd be 100 tomorrow. Say divine opportunities. Divine. 
are coming to me every day. So, so can you see a gift coming to you, all gift wrapped coming to you? It's coming right to you on God's conveyor belt. Can you see it coming? Can you see Jesus with his arms folded across his chest? He's smiling. He's got that smirk on his face. He says, I just sent that to those people. It's fun to give. When he's, he's like, I can't wait till they open that. Come on, come on, open it, open it. Can you see it coming down God's conveyor belt to you? Oh, it's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. Can you see it? Can you see yourself ripping that thing open? Digging through the popcorn and pulling that thing out and saying, wow, it's everything I never knew I always wanted. Right? That's God's plan for you. God's plan for you is not to fail. God's plan for you is not to sink into some abyss of failure. God's plan for you is to ascend to plateaus and vistas of success that you've never seen before. Never seen before. And therein lies your destiny. And you're going to take this word to people beyond those horizons. And they're going to duplicate it. And then Jesus is going to come. And we're going to wrap this whole thing up. We're going to get out of here. And, and then we're coming back. And we're going to take over. And because you've been faithful, God is going to make you master over much. You've been faithful with little. God is going to make you master over much. Amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord.